We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the fast food film friends. Kevin, do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? Uh, Nathan, you know, I think I have a few. One, uh, going to try to uh, drink a little less. And then on top of that, just try to really find, uh, I think, somebody who I meld with better in terms of podcast hosting. How about you? Yeah, mine are pretty much the same. Other than that, uh, eating about 20% more vegetables. Ooh. I don't want to get too don't many. Don't want to go nuts. I don't want my body to go into shock yeah. or anything. Yeah, 20% of 0.01% is... That's it's like an increase. One, one extra carrot a year, baby carrot. I'm just a, I'm just a frog in a slowly boiling pot of nutrition. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, the podcast where two pals talk about movies and food. And today is our 2018 year in review episode where we'll be discussing our top 10 movies of 2018. And while we do that, we will be gorging ourselves on Taco Bell's dollar cravings menu. And Nathan, I did want to congratulate you on just barely missing the top 10 list in my list of favorite podcast co-hosts. You almost made it, and I think next year could be your year. Here's hoping. TacoBell.com describes the dollar cravings menu as follows. Do you have a craving for Mexican-inspired food and have a dollar in your pocket? If that's the case, do we have a menu for you? Wow. At Taco Bell, you can find a wide variety of your favorite menu items for only one dollar. They're really aiming low with the audience for that one. <laughs> you got a dollar in your pocket? Do you have enough in your <laughs> savings account to afford... A Are taco? you craving for Mexican-inspired food? Not really full-on Mexican food. I hope that they can legally call it that. I don't think they can. We'll be eating all ten of Taco Bell dollar craving menus items one by one as we count down each of our ten favorite movies of the year. You know, Kevin, you and I have talked about quite a few movies this year, many of which were not very good. Mm. But I'm really excited to sit down and gush about the ones that we loved. Yes. Now, just a few disclaimers for the listeners before we get started. So these are the movies that Kevin and I each personally enjoyed the most. Not any sort of objective or agreed upon list. Just the ones that we like. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to give our reasoning, of course, for why we like them. Yep. And uh, these are movies from 2018 that we watched in 2018, mm-hmm. specifically. <clears throat> and I think it goes without saying that we did not see every single movie this year. Yes, that is correct. Uh, as much as I tried to, in the last month, see every single film that was physically released in 2018 mm-hmm. couldn't quite make it it's tough and one important note we will not be spoiling any of the movies that we discuss mm-hmm. so if we bring up a movie and you haven't seen it you're listening to this and you think oh i don't really want to hear him talk about the ending of that movie we won't be doing that at all yeah uh if you don't want to hear you know any of our thoughts on a certain movie just skip ahead a couple minutes and we'll be on to the next one but uh that being said should we get started yeah i think so i think uh, i think we can hop right into it you know like uh like you said We've, we've both picked 10 of our own individual movies. We're, we're not doing a joint list here. Yeah. Um, we have not discussed this at all. We've kind of been radio silent to each other for the last month and a half while we, A, both tried to cram as much uh, film down our throats as we could, and B, while we were putting together these lists. Uh, so again, I just want to reemphasize that this isn't, you know, best directed or best written. These are the 10 movies we each enjoyed the most in 2018. On that note, I have been tinkering with my list like a fucking psychopath and have, even since this morning, taken movies in and out of my top ten. It's uh, it's it's very difficult. There's just too many movies. There are. There's too, too many. Too many movies. You know what else there's too much of? Taco Bell dollar cravings items. So let's dig in. I think uh, first we should do that cheesy bean and rice burrito. We have a mountain of Taco Bell items in my oven staying warm right now. I don't know which is which. <laughs> um... 
So you might have to pop your head in there, uh, maybe not all the way into the oven, but uh, and just grab whatever one you think is that, because they all look roughly the same. I foresee kind of a Hansel and Gretel situation happening here, so uh, let's go do that and see what Kevin does while he's you behind know, me. I'm going to put you in that pot of nutrition, you frog. So we have pulled the first item out of the oven. We're actually going to start with the Beefy Fritos Burrito, mm. which is described as a beef burrito with cilantro rice, nacho cheese sauce, and Frito chips. Wow. We've done a, a bit of a cross-section of this. We cut these in half. We're splitting all these items so that we um, don't... Die? Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, mine looks it looks pretty cheesy. Mm-hmm. I think as far as proportions of meat and cheese and rice... It's about what I expect. Yeah. I don't really see Fritos. Um, they kind of, you know, I found that, uh, not that I'm ex- that experienced with this, but I found that they kind of tend to melt a bit, get a little soggy. I see, yeah. And almost come out looking like some of the shredded beef or, you know, maybe a potato in there. Who knows? Uh, now, before we dive into this, Nathan, it's uh, award season, my favorite time of the year. It is. Um, it's a very fancy time of the year. You look back, you remember. It's almost like a New Year's Eve type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just... You know, to really class us up a bit, I thought, hey, you know, it's uh, Sunday at 7 in the morning. Let's crack open a bottle of champagne. I think we can class it up a little bit. So I'm going to crack this open here. I know you're a big morning drinker. Absolutely. Yeah. So I figured you'd like this. I just want to feel classy. And you know what? I feel like our stomachs, you know, they're not going to have much going on in there with only 10 items. So I figured throw some bubbles in there. We're going to be building a very solid base. (laughs) The base... I will never have had a more solid base in my entire life. Now, should we, um, since we probably will still be recording this at midnight, yes. should we wait till the clock strikes 12 or go ahead and pop it now, do you uh, think? I have uh, 13 bottles, so I thought we were going to do one per movie slash food item. All right. I don't know. If... It'll wash down these soggy Fritos. Oh, nothing like, like soggy other. Fritos and champagne. <laughs> Boo! I have some very uh, trendy stemless glasses here, too, for you, Nathan. Yeah, I don't know if I can fit my hand around these. It's just a, a giant koozie for the entire bottle. There you are, sir. Perfect pour. Listen to those bubbles pop. Oh, sizzling. Hey, to a great year. Uh, first year of podcasting. Terrible cheers. <laughs> Not bad. Here's to uh We already did we already did the cheers. I'm sorry, Nathan. You'll have to wait till the next bottle. Alright, let's uh let's dig in. Let's try these. Mmm. Got me one nice Frito. I've had zero Fritos. I'll say. You get a little Frito flavor, though. Yeah. It's almost it like they sprinkled dust from the bottom of the it Frito is, bag. It's throughout. I, this is pretty cheesy. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like the, the texture is pretty good. The meat yeah. is about as much as I expect. It's Taco Bell beef. You know what you're getting there. Now, every item we got was $1. Is that the deal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd pay a dollar for that. That's fine. Rice, low-grade meat, and uh, some Frito dust with a good helping of Chez. Can't go wrong. I talk about in the past we've experienced kind of a, a bad distribution mm-hmm. of their ingredients. Mm-hmm. This one seems fine. It's put together okay. It is. I think this is a totally okay item. I would, uh, I would 100% agree. Totally okay. Uh, you know, I already have an early prediction of what my favorite dollar menu item is going to be. Um, this is this is not going to beat that. So, 
I have a prediction of what my favorite movie will be, but it's going to be a while until we get there. Ooh, suspense. But first, a word from BuzzFeed. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Hit me with your number 10 movie of okay. 2018. Nathan, and please I, don't need a table. I will need a table if I would like to. I want to say I am like oddly nervous, and I know we have, what, uh, five to six listeners now? Um, but I'm still oddly nervous we're going to get some angry letters. I was tinkering with my list nonstop. There's so many movies I haven't seen that I know would probably make this list if I had seen them. The thing about hate mail is that it is mail. Yeah, that's true. We do. We're still waiting on that first one. I, I think it's coming, though. Kevin, Mine, Kevin stands outside by his mailbox. Every day. For hours. Yeah. The mailman doesn't like me anymore because I lately I've just been grabbing the bag and trifling through it. Trying to find something for us. Nothing yet. Now, Nathan, are you a believer? This is, and I think this really affected how I ranked my movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who you're with when you see a movie, the mood you're in that day, um, I think has a huge part of how you remember and look back on a movie. And I think that's what made this so hard is, yes, there are a lot of movies I'd like to do this, but there were some, uh, you know, that I was with great people or I was doing fun things. I don't know part of the experience my number 10 on that note is a movie i watched with you sir mm-hmm. uh and it was during a day when we tried to watch as many movies as we possibly could and i think we watched two <laughs> we did got drunk and played video games <laughs> um my number 10 is a movie called american animals mm. american animals you ever feel like you're waiting for something to happen it pains me to see you embarrass your father but you don't know what it is. You're in, or you're out. That thing that could make your life special. You're in, or you're out. You're in, or you're out. How can I tell you if I'm in or I'm out without you telling me the first thing about what I might be in or out of? This would be something dangerous and very exciting. Amazing editing. I think it was up for a few independent awards. Super unique story. Great cast. Uh, and just done in a really cool way. I have not seen a movie like that, I don't think, ever. Um, and I really liked it. I really liked this movie. Yeah. So it it tells a story of like these four college students mm-hmm. who are attempting to steal a book worth yep. millions of dollars. Rare books. And um, True story, too. It's it's a true story, and what's what's so cool is that like ninety percent of the film is like normal, like narrative with like actors, yep. you know, acting out the story, and then the rest of the movie is kind of like a documentary style, interviewing the real life subjects yep. behind this. It's so cool. It is, and there's even some crossover in some scenes where they'll have you know the person playing the role and the real person sitting in the same car talking about is this really how it happened or mm-hmm. like is this how you remember? And it was just. I don't know. It's such. It's you know on uh, on paper. It's a it's a it's a story about stealing books, which isn't that exciting. But it's really interesting to see how it affects four pretty normal college kids, mm-hmm. uh, one poor librarian, um, and just how it lingers throughout their entire life and has affected their families and everything. Yeah. And it's just I, again the editing was just phenomenal. I think that's really what sealed it. And then I watched it with you, Nathan. It was a great time. I mean, there were there were multiple times. During the movie, when you and I turned to each other and were like, "Like, how is this so good?" Mm-hmm. Like, we were we were just loving it. And this is yeah. a movie that was almost completely off of our radar. It was. I, I mean, wasn't gonna watch it if it wasn't for the fact that you 
So, Kevin, who just turned 51, still has a Netflix <laughs> DVD subscription. I love... First off, I, I love my Netflix DVD subscription. People give me so much shit for this. I pay 10 bucks a month. I get movies that aren't out at your local Blockbuster or your Redbox. Blockbuster? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Kevin, you're C61. They're not available on streaming. Uh, I can get those mailed straight to my house, and it's great. And it gave me so many opportunities to watch movies. So fuck you, Nathan. I will say, as much shit as I give you and will continue to for that... It's the reason I saw this movie. Yes. And I love this movie. It was great. And it was, yeah, again, it came out, I think, August. Um, really flew under a lot of people's radar. Got some buzz around it when it first came out. But oh, if you can find it, if you have a Netflix DVD subscription, <laughs> put it in your queue and move it to the top. To and, both of and you. And it'll arrive at your house in two to three days. Yeah, go check this one out. Probably cheap to rent. Probably cheap to buy. What was your number 10? My number 10... I'm excited. I'm like, ugh. I don't know if it's this bubbly or what, but it's just like, oh man, I'm excited to know. There's a movie called Eighth Grade. Mmm. Which is a coming-of-age story directed by Bo Burnham. Yes. About a, uh, a student played by Elsie Fisher who's mm-hmm. basically trying to make it through the last week of eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really funny. It's really charming. I think it's surprisingly inspirational by yeah. the end. And uh, what was... Also very unexpected is that it's basically a horror film. Yes. Like, it, it depicts the terrifying reality of, like, like when I was 13, mm-hmm. every social situation felt like an opportunity for my life to be ruined. Yeah. Well, it probably was for you, I would imagine. It still is. Yeah. But this film captures that perfectly. I think, I think you're absolutely right. It was, um, I loved this movie as well. Eighth Grade was good. It did not make my list. Mm-hmm. And I, I am surprised by that. I saw this late, though. Uh, and you had kind of hyped it up to me. I love the studio it came from. I got hyped up. Mm-hmm. I love Bill Burnham. Yeah. And I think I overhyped myself. But I still loved it. They were like, I thought the dad was phenomenal. Her He's dad. Great, like yeah. so many. I spit out my drink once, literally, at a line he said. Um, and again, yeah, Elsie was tremendous. But it does. It captures the horrible, embarrassing awkwardness, like. You, I think everybody remembers their first like group pool party, yeah. And like when you are in that fucking bathroom and you take your shirt off, you get your swimsuit on or whatever, and you're just like, oh my god, like, like, and it was, oh, it just made me relive those moments. That was one of the scariest scenes I saw in a movie. Like, it's this movie is like stress inducing. It is. Like, it gives you anxiety. Like, you're on the edge of your seat. Yes. I mean, by definition, it's like horrifying. It is, and And, and she nails it too. I will yeah, say. she's fantastic. I'm yeah. so happy. So she's you know been nominated for some awards. Yep. I hope that she keeps getting recognition. So like we are in our like mid to late twenties, and this movie is about. You just said I was 51 10 seconds ago. All right, you gotta <laughs> can't mix it up like this, Nathan. And so Elsie Fisher plays a 13 year old, and her mm-hmm. dad is I would imagine probably about 40, maybe like late 30s. I'd peg him as 40. Yeah. And you and I are squarely in between those ages, mm-hmm. and I think that. For me, it was like, I wasn't expecting to sympathize more with the dad in terms yes. of like where he is in life. Yeah. I mean, you have a child. I, I do not have a child. Say. And I, like, having a young child, I think having a teenager are completely totally different, different beasts. And this guy kind of shows you how you, like, like, how do you treat someone who you love with all your heart, but yeah. wants, like, nothing to do with you? Well, that's the thing, too. And, like, I've had discussions with parents, other parents about this who have, like, teenage kids. And they're like, man, yeah, I love that. Love them when they're young. And it's like, you do, obviously. But, like, teenagers still are terrifying to me. I think your entire life, yeah. teenagers are scary because yeah. they're the worst. They're, like, ruthless, heartless, just mean, 
And then I think around like 18 or 19, you start to kind of turn into a real person and understand like empathy and how it works. But the dad, I did identify with the dad a ton in this. Like he gives her the Fridays to do whatever she wants. So she's on her phone, you know, at the dinner table the whole time with headphones in. Like, and that's another weird thing too, is like when we grew up, we, we weren't like, yes, we were shitty teenagers probably, but we didn't have cell phones and Snapchat and we weren't making vlogs. Yeah. If Um, I had like the internet was around, we were teenagers, but like, to have a completely separate world available in your pocket yeah. when you're like 12. I mean, I, I would have been the same way. Yeah. I never would have like spoken to anybody yeah. around me. It scares me. Honestly, it's kind of scary to yeah. think because my son's six. And so when he's 13, who the hell knows? It'll be like a, a fentanyl YouTube Fortnite fentanyl. terrorizing world. I don't even want to think about it. Who knows? I think on a uh, on a brighter note, one of my favorite lines of the year is from this movie, mm. and it's when Elsie Fisher is, she's kind of like recording, it's like a vlog, like a time capsule video of herself talking to her future self. Yep. I believe it's like, so she's graduating in eighth grade, I think she's t- talking to her like 18-year-old self, mm-hmm. and the last line that she signs off with is, I can't wait to be you. Yes. And I, that was so beautiful. I agree. Like, I just sat like, that was one of those that just makes you like sit in the theater, do yeah. the credits, and just think about it. Like, man, like, I, I look back on myself and, like, we, we we all do this. We look back on our younger selves and mm-hmm. are, like, embarrassed. But, like, when you see it through the lens of, like, of growth, like, a positive change. Yeah. Like, at times I feel like I'm ashamed of, like, the 12-year-old I was. But it's, like, that person became who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to become a 30-year-old and a 40-year-old. And I'm going to be different then, too. Mm-hmm. Man, that was... It was, a, it was a very powerful movie. I that This is one that I had in and out of my list uh, mm-hmm. for the last three hours. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I overhyped myself on it. So I was... It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, it is definitely going to be in my honorable mentions yeah. segment. Now, when Elsie Fisher said, I can't wait to be you, that was really powerful. But I want to tell this next entree, I can't wait to eat you. Oh, man. I don't even know what we're going to do. I see, by the way, you finished your entire half of that burrito. I'm going with like a bite of each because we have ten items, Nathan. I think you really need to portion. Technically, you have half of ten items. And I have I have two candles lit in my house right now, but I know that this Taco Bell smell is not going anywhere <laughs> for years. I should probably just blow those out. We should do the rest of this on the roof. <laughs> now, next, let's eat the shredded chicken mini quesadilla. Oh, I hate the mini quesadillas, man. They're greasy and tinfoil. Ugh. Now, the shredded chicken mini quesadilla is described as shredded chicken and a three-cheese blend wrapped in a warm tortilla. Mm. I love quesadillas myself. I am a huge quesadilla fan. You like, you like physically huge quesadillas. Uh, this both. one's too small. Yes, 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 yes. Um, this, the mini one, well, hey, let me tell you. Taco Bell, I don't know how they do these. I'm pretty sure they buy these pre-made. They serve them to you in a fucking the greasiest tinfoil wrap. It's... I got the first time I got one of these in a drive-thru, I was like, You expect me to eat this shit in my car? This is a quesadilla. It shouldn't be this greasy. And every time it's too greasy. I think they actually get their foil recycled from Coke addicts. It could be, actually, yeah. You do get a nice little bump after eating one of these. Should we go let's, for uh, it? Let's um, let's tear into this thing. Oh man, they're so flat. Mm. See, it's got their normal quesadillas have like this kind of spicy uh, sauce. This quesadilla has almost like a barbecue-y taste, and I don't like it at all. I'm done with that. Yeah, it has a different flavor, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of Taco Bell's chicken. They're shredded chicken too much. I was just going to say, I'm surprised by the quality of this shredded chicken. You do like it? 
a little bit. All right, now you, I started out with my number 10. You start out with your number 9. Well, speaking of being surprised by quality. Wow. My number 9 is a documentary. Ooh, I had one of those. Called Won't You Be My Neighbor. Ooh, again, one of my honorable mentions. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? So, Won't You Be My Neighbor is a documentary about the life and legacy of Fred Rogers. And, uh, Kevin, in 2018... The world was a bit of a dark and messy place, I'd say. I think that a movie like this is the antidote to 2018. 100%. It tells the story of Mr. Rogers' career through, it's got behind-the-scenes footage and interviews, mm-hmm. and it's got some really, really good stuff. Talking to people who were close to him, people yeah. who were affected by him, people who were influenced by him positively. Absolutely. What I love so much is that the movie kind of contextualizes these big moments and episodes in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It talks about, like, the real-life events that inspired them. Yeah. Like, for example, there was, you know, there was a news story in, the, I believe, it was like the 70s about a, a hotel owner who was putting chemicals in mm-hmm. his pool to make sure that black people couldn't swim in it. Yep. And so there was, shortly after that, Fred Rogers said, I need to have an episode showing a white person and a black person in a pool together. So yep. it was him and his friend dipping their feet in a pool. Yeah. And we look at that now and we think, like, how is that controversial? Like, yeah. how is that even anything notable? But seeing it through the lens of the time in which it was created mm-hmm. gives me so much respect, yeah. admiration for the stuff that this guy did. I think he took a lot of really bold steps at the time. And I think the reason he was so successful is because he didn't go about it in an aggressive way or a, hey, everyone needs to understand that this is okay. He said, hey, here's this and look. It's okay, you know? Every everything's still okay. Mm-hmm. We can do these things that some people don't like and still survive and still be okay. And it was I agree, that movie I was I cried a few times in that movie. I mean it's very touching and it's a phenomenal picture of I think it just an amazing man. Like yeah. because you think, oh, Mr. Rogers was Mr. Rogers on the show, but you don't realize like throughout his entire life off the set as he well. He was that, yeah. He was that guy. He was mm-hmm. like the nicest, honestly, probably the nicest guy in the world. In a time where in the last couple of years, so many of our heroes, mm-hmm. we have learned that they are not what we thought they were. Exactly. And this is a movie that I went into thinking like, Please no. Like Mr. Rogers at all. Like no. he, seeing how somebody is behind the scenes of their own show, you think yeah. oh, it might bring out the worst in them. Mm-hmm. And turns out he's a saint. Yeah. He's a, a wonderful human being. Across the board. Yeah. 
it's it's uh it's pretty rare and it's you know you wonder like you think you think how badly today needs somebody like him yeah and there's nobody i mean the reason he started the show is because he saw what kids are watching on tv like yeah. cartoons and thought like it's just violent too and pointless. fast and yeah it's like this is damaging our kids brains yeah. I mean, think about the attention spans of our kids now. Oh, my we, we God. We throw a tablet in front of their face when they're two years old. It's insane. I think that was one of my favorite things was his emphasis on, you know, walking into the house, whistling, you know, untying his shoes, putting on a sweater in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a wish, wish, wish. Now we're ready for Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It was, hi, uh, let me just get settled in. And he did it. And I think one of the most, the things that stuck with me from that documentary was, how much silence he had on his show. Mm-hmm. Such a huge amount of his show was just him doing something or just in silence, though. And mm-hmm. it's like that today, if you brought that to a TV station, they would be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. We need sirens, buzzers, explosions, quick. And, and, and yeah, and he, he had to fight for this show because it didn't make much money. Yeah. And like... That Senate testimony, oof. It's so good. So good. It, it, I mean... The world then, and even more so now, our entertainment is mm-hmm. about money. Yeah. I mean, there, there's lots of meaningful entertainment out there if you seek it, but so many of the things that you see are trying to to grab you and just make you keep watching yep. for the almighty dollar. 100%. And his his message is something that, like I said, we need so badly today. Like, And yeah. there's there's even a little portion at the very end where it kind of shows like some modern-day news clips. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, the word snowflake. Yeah. The, the idea of empathy to a lot of people today, is seen as a weakness. It is, which is... And that's a shame. And this this movie, this is just all about empathy and love and just sharing that with each other. And this is something that we need to pass on to future generations. Yeah. And I hope that we do. I hope that movies like this can allow that to live on. I do too. I, uh, I just think we need a new Mr. Rogers ASAP. That's what that documentary made me realize. But yes, that was, again, I've, now I feel like I should have put it in my top 10. But I basically have a top 20. So that was in my top 20. Uh, What's your number nine, Kevin? My number nine is a movie called The Favorite. The Queen is an extraordinary person. They were all staring, weren't they? I can tell even if I can't see. And I heard the word fat. Fat and ugly. No one but me would dare, and I did not. She's been stalked by tragedy. Everyone leaves me. Dies. I apologize for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you as something. A monster for the children to play with, perhaps. This is a movie by Yorgos Lanthimos, I think is how you say it. Yep. And he's made some movies that I've loved in the past. The Lobster I loved, Killing of a Sacred Deer I liked. Um, And he's made another movie here that just, it makes you almost purposefully uncomfortable at times. Mm -hmm. It's... It's just a, it's a real story, and it's it's it seems like real situations at times. But there's like these bits of surrealness and strangeness, and I think it was just a beautiful movie. It was shot amazingly. I think all three of the main actresses, uh, Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz, all deserve awards across the board. I thought yeah. they all did amazing. I think it was the best cast of the year. Oh, absolutely! It was phenomenal. Even beyond those three, too, mm-hmm. everyone involved in it. Yeah, Nicholas Holt. Yes, is great. He is great. Um, but it was just kind of a it's. It was such a weird look at, you know, it's 18th century England and you think of royalty and you think of like, oh, Downton Abbey type stuff. But it's like, it shows you almost like the how we think of people today as being weird and doing weird stuff. And it mm-hmm. shows all of that. You know, there's a guy yeah. who has a prized chicken who races and he just carries it everywhere because he doesn't want anyone to destroy him or kill the chicken. 
but I just I think Yorgos can do really no wrong in my book and I again I think the the performances by all three actresses are really what hooked me on this but it was entertaining um surprising at a lot of turns had a lot of twists mm-hmm. um and just kind of le- it makes you think like I walked out of the theater being like who really won in that situation yeah nobody I loved it I loved this movie yeah, I mean it's it's hilarious. It is. And we, you and I saw this together, and I think that we were in the theater with a lot of people who were not expecting the, the movie they saw. The Downton Abbey folks, right? Yeah, uh, and yeah, they they left. A few people walked out <laughs> of this movie when we were there. Um, but it's I think that's Yorgos though. He pushes the limits and he makes it weird. Like it's it's again it's that purposeful uncomfortability that it makes you. I think it, in a weird way it makes me get more into it. Or it at least shows that I'm really into it because I'm like, ah, what is like? Why are they doing that? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, you are constantly feeling something. Yes, in this movie. <laughs> yes, that is for sure. The tension too throughout. I think like his killing of a sacred deer. That tension is just like a slow build. Oh man, it was just a great movie. I think it's interesting that he's kind of becoming more and more mainstream, mm-hmm. and it's like these are movies that like people are going to without knowing much about. Yes, and he, that that's like I feel like that's one of his. Strength. His his goals is like I want to bring people into these movies to make them feel something that was yeah. unlike anything they've ever felt before. Yeah, and he does that. Uh, yeah, I think the trailer made it seem like a kind of a, a vengeful, you know, old historical flick. Mm-hmm. No craziness really in the trailers. A nice uh, period piece. Yeah, and there is a a scene that involves fruit being thrown at a man. <laughs> that is, uh, I think that's about when we lost our Downton Abbey crowd. <laughs> uh, but definitely go check out the favorite. Speaking of the favorite, let's dig into my favorite <laughs> item off of this menu Ooh. that I know of. Oh. The cheese roll-up. Uh, the timeless cheese roll-up. It is a melted three-cheese blend in a flour tortilla. And uh, one of the more simpler items from TB. Yep. One of the more, um, we only have two ingredients left in our kitchen. Yeah. Let's make some people eat some this, delicious stuff. This throughout my life has been a staple snack at my home. Uh, mm-hmm. And having a very... You lived at a Taco Bell for three years. I did, and this is all they would let me do, because I have a lot of both of these. Um, I have a my son, when we would be on the go, say on a road trip going to Minnesota or something like that, mm-hmm. picky eater, always wanted a cheese roll-up. And it's hard to justify paying a dollar for this tiny cheese <laughs> roll-up. Just bring a bag, it's like, an industrial-sized bag of cheese I and could, tortillas, yeah. and then put it in front of the heater, you know, the back of your mean. car. That's all you need. And you're set. I could crank out 30 of these for a dollar. That's all I'm saying. It's a fucking joke. Wow, cheese and a tortilla. What a revelation. You really can taste each of the three individual <laughs> cheeses coming through. Not. I mean, this particular roll-up is pretty small. Yeah. It is not oozing with cheese as one would really hope it would be. But at the same time... It is literally a tortilla and melted cheese, <laughs> and it's delicious to me. Can't go wrong. Like, there's, I have no complaints about the flavor I'm experiencing in my mouth. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to talk about that anymore, because <laughs> I loathe how much money they're making off each one of those that they sell. Speaking of making money... <laughs> Should we change the theme of our podcast? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> so, Kevin, what's your, uh, what's your number eight movie of the year? My number eight... Um, this movie came out early in the year in February, uh, kind of saw it on a whim, didn't have high hopes, and it um, stuck with me. And when I went to put this list together, oddly, this was one of the first movies I thought of, and I don't think it's going to make many other top ten lists. My number eight is Game Night. 
tonight. We're taking game night up a notch. We don't need a board and we do not need pieces. We won't need any extra rudeness either. Someone in this room is going to be taken. Oh, it's a murder mystery party. Fun. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. The keys to the stingray. Just the keys? No, Ryan, the whole car. Oh, yes! This is what I'm wishing the best of luck tonight. Bye. Baby, hand me those matches. I'm about to burn this door down. You're gonna light a fire in a windowless room that we're trapped in. Why you gotta make my idea sound stupid? You're not gonna know what's real and what's fake. Is this gun real? Oh, oh no, Andy. Oh, oh no, 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 Bang. no. Bang. Oh my god, I shot you! What the f um, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, uh, the rest of the cast as well is just phenomenal. Um, it blew me away with how funny it was. Absolutely hilarious, I thought. The writing was some of the best. Um, the cast chemistry was just amazing. It's kind of a comedy action cross-genre film that I thought absolutely nailed it. Mm -hmm. um, and just Jason Bateman in his prime, honestly. Other than Ozark, uh, I think this is just right in his wheelhouse. And I loved this movie. Did you see this movie? I did. I really liked it. Um, I mean, it's it's such an interesting premise. Like, it's just mm -hmm. like it's it's ripe for humor. The idea that like you know these people have this game night. They're expecting there to be like this like elaborate dangerous game. Yep. It's. I mean, it's it, it makes for like some of the funniest situations. It really does. Movie. It's it, it's really good. It is. It's really and it's, I think it's. Uh, there's a lot of surprises too because you kind of go in thinking like it's going to be a lighthearted comedy. It definitely gets more into the action side of things, but it's a lot of twists. Um, I think the neighbor cop uh, mm -hmm. was one of the funniest roles I've ever seen played in a movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. Is Je yes, Jesse Plemons, who killed it in a few movies this year. Yeah. Um, and was also in Breaking Bad, if, if you know him as... Uh, Meth Damon? Uh, Meth Damon, yeah. But I can't remember what his name was in the show. Uh, but great movie overall. I don't think it got a lot of traction. It actually did surprisingly well at the box office. I was looking at that earlier. Uh, and again... Most people probably wouldn't put that in their top ten, but I fucking liked it, so I'm going to do it, Nathan. We are unabashed about our love. Yeah, it's the cheese roll-up of my top ten. <laughs> Basic, but there. Contains essentially two ingredients. <laughs> essentially. That's right. How about you? Number eight. My number eight is a movie called Private Life. Oh, man! That's... Okay, sorry to jump in. I just really wanted to see that movie, and I didn't, and I'm so mad about it. Especially now. Private Life is uh, it's on Netflix mm. for anybody who wants to watch it. It's directed by Tamara Jenkins, who apparently this is her first movie in like 11 years. What did and she do before? I actually don't know. It's only like her third movie overall. Hmm. And, uh, and I was blown away because as soon as I saw it, I was like, how have I ever heard of this director? I need to watch all of her stuff. And yeah. she just hasn't done movies in a decade, hmm. which is crazy. But Paul Giamatti yeah. and Catherine Hahn play, they're like a middle-aged New York couple trying to conceive a child. They're struggling, and the movie is about... Basically, it's it's testing their limits to see how far they will go. Mm. I think this is one of Paul Giamatti's best roles. Catherine Hahn, I only really know her from comedies. Yeah. I mean, I, I primarily know her as uh, in Parks and Recreation. Yep. She's Paul Rudd's campaign manager. Yep. She's excellent in that show. Phenomenal. Step and then once, I, once I saw her in this, like I didn't even know anything about this film. I started it up, and I saw her, and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this is... This is more of a comedy than I was expecting, but it's it's not. Yeah, it's it's a lot of humor, but it's it's dark. It's yeah. deep. It's drama. She is fantastic in this movie. I mean, I 
I think that she's it's an Oscar worthy performance. Really, she does I, have a great range. I will give her that. I, I I really love it. Oh man, and the writing is so good. It's the kind of characters who like just the writing and acting. I could just listen to them talk all day. Yeah, like it's the kind of people that I just want to hang out with. Which is, I mean, I feel like that's the mark of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Is like. I just want to spend time around these. People. I think uh, that's a mark of Paul Giamatti. I think he does that in a lot of movies. He can he can make you want to just sit there and talk to him, like Sideways, uh, American Splendor. Even though he's kind of an a hole in that, but I think he's. That's what's interesting is that he's actually like a really good guy in this movie, which he doesn't usually play. Mm-mm. And he and he's great. Like he's he's so good at being this like this like sympathetic guy who's trying to be a dad. Like he just wants so badly to have that in his life and. Oh man, I love would, it. Would you say he was better in this or in Big Fat Liar with Frankie Muniz and Amanda? Ah, I'm such a Muniz fan that it's gonna really yeah. it's gonna affect my I know. my opinion. But blue Paul Giamatti is way better than flesh colored yeah, Paul Giamatti. Hundred percent agree. I'm so glad you remembered that point because that's the only thing I remember about that movie <laughs> is them dying him blue. So that's Private Life. Should be on Netflix. That's my number eight. Speaking of being blue, let's uh, shove some more Taco Bell into our mouths like the depressed pieces of trash that we are. Next up is the Spicy Tostada, which is a tostada shell topped with lettuce, beans, tangy red and chipotle sauces, and real cheese. Real cheese. We'll see about that. We will. Now, the tostada used to be a standalone like luxury item on the Taco Bell thing before they had value menus back in the day. Um, and I always liked it. Uh but it was always very messy and difficult to eat. And it looks like they've gotten messier Yeah, somehow. This is just a, a big slop on one tortilla chip. It is. Uh, and that tortilla chip always gets inevitably very squishy. Uh, let's go for it. Yeah, let's just do it. Now, this is another item from Taco Bell where it's like, how do you expect someone to eat this on the go or in a car? Like, you would need either a mouth the size of a dinner plate to just inhale this whole thing. We both have bibs on eating these over plates. Correct. And this is a complete travesty. Yeah. And by bibs, he's talking like snow pants. I'm wearing a full bib set. I don't know where the cheese is going to get. There's definitely no real cheese on here. I want to make that clear. It is like a cheesy sauce, shitty lettuce, a couple tomates, but pretty lackluster. I would say avoid that one. This is the first item that I'm not going to finish. I have not finished any items because I'm not a masochist. This uh, is a. I have finished my first glass of champagne. The tortilla is. It's not just soft. It's literally a paper-like flexibility. Cannot support a thing. I don't understand this item. I don't like. I do not get how one could eat this and say, "Yes, well, I will get that again." This actually existed before they invented the taco. When somebody realized, oh, if you fold this, uh, it's much better, and that's how the taco came to be. That was Taco, I believe it was John uh, of Taco fame who invented that. You sure it wasn't Alexander Graham Bell? Uh, I think he had something else going on, but it doesn't ring a bell. (laughs) And see, uh, when they made the taco, they said, you know what? Not only are we going to curve that, we're also going to go ahead and take those beans out of there because why would you want that? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Bean paste. This This is gross. I'm, Stop picking it up just to put it back down. I have it's, to examine it. I have to really get. I got to use the five senses. Do you have to stick your tongue all the way in though? That's. I mean, that's just really gross to watch. I'm. I. I need to go take a shower real quick. One second. Yeah, please do. I wasn't going to mention the body odor, but Jesus Christ, a lot of smells going on in the studio today. Moving on, we're on number seven, I believe. We you know, are. You want to kick off? 
You're number seven? My number seven. Man, we're getting to some really good ones. I know. That's why I'm telling you. My palms are sweaty. My <laughs> knees weak. Arms are heavy. Vomit on my sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. But sorry, I'm more of, a, more of a machine gun Kelly guy. Oh, <laughs> sorry, we, we talked about that. My number seven is Hereditary. Ooh, what a movie! She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die... She wasn't altogether there. At the end. Hereditary is a horror film directed by Ari Aster. It's about a family that deals with unraveling secrets about their ancestry. To say the after least. After a, a death in the family occurs. Mm. This movie... So this is actually the first one so far that I think either of us have mentioned that we have done a full review on Correct. previously. Yeah. Came out in the summer. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. And if you want to hear Kevin and I's full thoughts on this movie, yes. please go back and listen to that. I think it's a pretty good episode. One of my favorite episodes. One of our most listened to episodes as well. I think we are up to almost... Uh, Three or four listens on that. Right, yeah. I mean, I'll also have to you know, use two hands. Yeah. That was episode number seven, for those of you who need to know. Uh, but yes, agreed 100%. This movie was phenomenal. I mean, it's Hereditary is one of the most well-acted, well-written yes. horror movies I've ever seen. Tony Collette and Alex Wolf. They're phenomenal. I don't know how they're not nominated in every category. Honestly. Uh, I think she was amazing. She always is, though. What is she bad at? Um and he is somebody who I wasn't exposed to before this year. Alex mm-hmm. Wolf, really, uh, is the brother in this. Um, if he doesn't win some type of award for that role, I think it's a huge miss by the film community. He's really great. And he, so we talked about this in our full review a little bit, but he's kind of like an audience surrogate in the movie. And he he's acting so much just with his face. Like, yeah. he doesn't talk that much. No. And you were getting everything that he's feeling. And his... It's so complex what yep. he's going through. Like he's having to deal. Everybody in this movie is dealing with these events very differently. Yes, and uh, they're they're all so good. And what and the way it unfolds just kind of like falls into madness. Mm-hmm. Everyone just is going insane, and yes. it gets it gets more and more bizarre. But like I think for anyone who's listening to this, who's maybe not so much into horror films, yeah, this like is me. not a jump scare movie. Yes, this is not like. Like a fun horror flick yep. that's that's just going to like get your your heart rate going. Yeah, this is a movie that genuinely terrified me yes. in ways that have stayed with me. Yeah, because of how good it is. It is. Um, I like you said. I'm not a fan of scary movies normally. Never. Um, and this, I, I like. I wanted to watch it again right away because there's so much in it. Like you said, not only there you see in every character, every main character. A range of emotions that most films don't even come close to. It's so well done. It's beautiful, too. It's a beautiful movie. Like, it's oh, shot yeah. so well. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that. And that's the best oh. thing about it. The first, the opening shot is yes. going into a dollhouse. <sighs> those dollhouses, I mean, that alone, Yeah, those are incredible. It was just a, an incredibly well-made movie. I can't, I don't know. We have a full episode on how amazing this movie is where we both just drooled over it. And I think a Hardy's Memphis Thick Burger as well was being drooled over during that episode. But I think that if we were awarding our favorite scenes of the year, the dinner table scene in Hereditary, oh, man. easily one of my favorites. I mean, the movie is, 
at times it's just like a family drama, just yep. like a, a bizarre family drama about these problems that they're dealing with. There's an argument that breaks out between the mother and the son, and it's 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 insane. Like if you yeah. were reading a script on paper, it just sounds crazy. Yeah. But like, but you totally get why everyone feels what they're feeling, and it's so good. I love Hereditary. I can't wait to rewatch it. And it's my uh, it's my number seven. That's a great movie. What's yours, Kevin? My number seven, and this is one flew under the radar. Again, this came out in February. It's a Netflix original. Um, I hadn't heard anything about it. I kind of watched it randomly. Um, and I really liked it. And then today when I was putting this list together, I was kind of researching all of my movies. And this movie got panned across the board. Nobody likes this movie, apparently. So I was a little taken aback. It's directed by Duncan Jones, who's David Bowie's son, mm-hmm. who made one of my favorite movies of all time in 2009, Moon. Right. I don't know if you've ever actually seen Moon. With I've actually Rondo. not seen Moon oh. or the movie that you're about to say. Moon is so good. Uh, this movie's called Mute. It's set in Berlin 40 years from today. Paul Rudd gives an amazing performance. And let me say, this year, for me, the biggest change of heart I've had with an actor or actress, Mm -hmm. Alexander Skarsgård has become, like, one of my favorite actors. I watched him in uh, Big Little Lies, which he's fucking insane in. So good. And in this, he plays a mute man from a childhood accident. And he plays it super well. Lots of emotion from him. This movie starts out a little weird. It's kind of John Wick-esque. Um, but it's got so many twists and it's pretty dark dystopian future movie. Justin Thoreau does a really weird performance and it's, it's just a really unique movie. That's one thing Duncan Jones does well. Like moon was very unique. This is, there's no other movie like it. It it makes you kind of think like, Oh man, the future could be scary. But then I remember I watched after this, I watched, you were never really here right after this. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh no, our world is just as fucked up as, (laughs) as this dystopian future is. Um, it's on Netflix. It's a quick watch. Um, I really liked it. It was just so unique. Yes, it's not the most well-made in terms of, uh, you know, there's like, I think the beginning is a little slow, but it is, you will not predict the ending. Um, several twists. And I thought really good performances across the board. I don't know why it got panned so badly. I think I might need to rewatch it uh, to verify, but it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say all that. I mean, I'm I'm definitely intrigued. I remember specifically avoiding it because yeah. I had heard it was so bad. Did you? Yeah. See, I had heard nothing about it. That's the thing. And it's, I will say, the first 10 minutes, I was like, I'm not going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe a lot of people just dug in their heels there and didn't give the rest of it a chance. But it's such a sick, twisted, not all of it, though, just little bits of these, like, dark, you see these sides of people that, the first half of the movie, everyone's presented as a pretty normal person and then like this sick shit from everyone and it's just like everyone has a dark side kind of i don't know it's just i really liked it but yeah that's my number seven speaking of mute we should uh mute our mouths by stuffing them with more food oh man these transitions are getting just better by the minute and before i move on to our number six movies of the year oh, i'm sorry i just squeezed this burrito a little bit and a, a thing of cheese just oozed through a wall of baked beans in a way that is the most unnatural it looks delectable. Wow. We're going for the uh, cheesy bean and rice burrito, which is described as a meatless burrito with cilantro rice, beans, nacho cheese, and jalapeno sauce. I have no rice in mind, I want to say. It's mainly sauce and beans. Yeah, um, mine looks to be mostly beans. Great. I see one rice grain. Mm. I see literally none, so maybe they've just forgot. It's got good flavor. 
texture needs something else. I actually can taste that jalapeno sauce. Yeah, I was just going to say, it comes through kind of nicely. Surprisingly. I think it uh, pairs well with this uh, champagne. Champagne? It looks like we're both running a little low on champagne. Here's to beans. Hey, beans. My uh, my burrito is pretty much right side beans, left side everything else. I just got a big bean bite, and man, their their beans are not good to consume no. by themselves. Mine is literally nothing but beans. I will say that jalapeno sauce has to be what's on their normal quesadillas, though, because that's the flavor I like. Yeah, it is a similar flavor for sure. Now that I'm washing those beans out of my mouth with this, let's uh, go with our number sixes of the year. What is mm-hmm. your number six? Let me tell you, Nathan. My number six, we're going to have to probably spend a lot of time on this one, actually. My number six is Hereditary. Really? Which, if you haven't heard of this, we actually did an episode on this. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't make us all talk about it again, but a phenomenal movie. I liked it one spot more than Nathan. Um, Apparently. But again, across the board, great movie. Agreed. Yeah. What's yours? My number six is a film called First Reformed. You think that what we did together was a sin? I've seen enough real sin to know the difference. You didn't tell the police, right? Take a look at your own life before you criticize others. These are frightening times. We have to be patient. Well, somebody has to do something. Are you shake as I write these lines. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Can God forgive us for what we've done to this world? Who can know the mind of God? First Reformed is directed by Paul Schrader. It's about a minister played by Ethan Hawke who spirals out of control after the uh, actions of an environmentalist Mm -hmm. cause him to question his worldview. The movie is like a battle between Hope and despair, as his character says. So this environmentalist asks the minister about how someone could ethically bring a child into a world yeah. that scientists believe could be unlivable mm-hmm. in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, at first, Ethan Hawke, the minister, explains how uh, there's this, this really good speech about how life is all about holding these two contradictory truths, yep. hope and despair, in our minds simultaneously. The story that unfolds is basically... What happens when despair wins? I, th- I think uh, one part that I actually liked about this a lot, because I, I did watch probably the first hour of this movie. Um, and when I was when I, uh, was having my son, I didn't carry him myself, surprisingly. Uh, but I remember having conversations... I thought you were on Oprah. I, well, I was on Oprah, but for other reasons. Uh, but I remember having conversations with people who would be like, I don't know, like before I would tell them that I was about to have a baby, they'd be like, I don't know how people could have kids these days, like... With everything going on in the world, like you're bringing them into a terrible world, with global warming, with nuclear weapons, like it's and I, it's like yeah, I feel you, yeah, I get you, uh, but it's like you still kind of want to have a kid. Yeah. Um, but that was something I was like, it's it's hard for a lot of people to grapple with, and I think this movie did a really good job. And again, I've only seen the first hour, but like showing how that mentality, you know, what what can happen if you cling to that mentality. Yeah, um, I think it's a. It's kind of like an internal struggle that a lot of people have, and mm-hmm. we just we just kind of try to ignore. Yeah, you know, like we, yes. we think to ourselves, like you can't just worry about the worst case scenario. You exactly. have to. I mean, like we are on this earth for one reason, which is to reproduce. Yep. And no matter what is happening in the world, like 
I've talked about this with my fiance. Like mm-hmm. we've we've talked about down to like the number of kids that's ethical to have. Like if it's if we think it's like an okay thing to have more children than there are of us. Yeah. And to like to do our part in increasing the population. Like these are these are concerns that people have, but like but it it's children are our hope. They're our future. It's it's how we carry on. Yeah. And this this movie Man, it's it's rough, and it's it it's his character kind of gets out of control, and he he's at first he thinks he understands how these ideas are balanced in his head, but yeah. then he just he can't take it. And there's even a, a moment where he sits down with some other like religious leaders, and he says, "Can God forgive us for what we've done to the earth?" Mm-hmm. And like these are the things that I mean, like a, nobody wants to worry about that kind yeah, of stuff. No yeah. one wants to think about like imminent doom because what are we going to do about it? Sit there and be sad. Uh, but, Ethan Hawke, I think, amazing. And yeah, he. Even, I mean, even from the first twenty minutes, you can tell he's he's one of my favorite actors, and mm-hmm. this is this is one of his best performances that I've seen. It's, I mean, it's like an intimate slow burn of a story. The cinematography is so good. It's in like kind of like a four three aspect ratio. Yeah, like it's, that's it's kind I, of square. I was wondering at any point later on, does it expand to full screen? I don't think so. Because no, I, I, I kept thinking that whole time. I was like, what an interesting take. But I guess that director was literally probably made most of his films in that aspect ratio it's possible and like most of the shots in this movie there's no camera movement it's just a still camera oftentimes for long shots so the final scene of this movie is very polarizing i won't go into what happens at all good but i've heard a lot of people say they hate the final scene so much that it ruined the movie for them i personally could not disagree more it was probably my favorite ending of a movie in this past year but it is the final few minutes are very much unlike the movie that precedes it. Huh. And I think that the whole style of the film is kind of setting you up to be blown away by this ending. Yeah. And for better or worse, whether you like it or not, it will make an impact. I'm going to have to finish this movie. I think you will. Yeah. So that's First Reform. That's my number six. Wow. You know, and speaking of balancing hope and despair, I think uh, Taco Bell is just right in the middle of that sweet spot there. Usually you're there at a low point. Speaking of not finishing things, mm. let's uh, take a few more bites out of the spicy potato soft taco. Uh, let's do it. We're into the top five. We are. Oh, man, I'm excited. I am getting more... Giddy? Yes, with everyone. Giddy up, boy. But first, the spicy potato soft taco is described as a warm tortilla filled with potato bites, real cheddar cheese, lettuce, and chipotle sauce. This one, in my opinion, looks to be... It's just potatoes, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say the potatoes good do look... Them. Good for them. They do look appetizing. Catering to the veggies. Some nice little little fried potatoes. Some might call them, like, breakfast potatoes. I mean, have nice you had their um, potato olays? That like is Taco bre- Jonathan's you're thinking of. Okay, they have, like, breakfast potatoes that are actually crazy good, I will well, say. Well, these are probably the same thing, so I let's find out. Let's dig into these. I think the potatoes, the cheese, the sauce are great. I think that lettuce takes me out of it. Yeah, it does not need the lettuce. No. it's the, granted, sauce, the sauce is good. Granted, we've been sitting on these for about an hour now. So that lettuce has had time to perfectly wilt uh, <laughs> inside the oven that is this taco. These might be perennials. <laughs> yeah, the... Spice level's nice, though. Yeah, this is actually... This is pretty good. Vegetarians, if you're in the market for some mediocre food... And you only have a dollar in your pocket and are craving some loosely Mexican-based food. 
head on over to TB and pick yourself up a spicy potato taco. I would say, other than the cheese roll-up, which is very hard to rank, this is probably my favorite so far of the ones we've eaten, which is saying very, very little. I'm trying to remember everything we've eaten so far. But I do actually like this. I think the, you know, I think, God, I don't even know. What have we done to ourselves? What have we eaten here? Picking through my graveyard. <laughs> digging up the carcasses. Uh, I kind of like the Frito Burrito, just because you can say it like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that spiced potato taco. That's the first one I finished. Yeah. So that probably is my favorite. I'm finishing mine now. Number five, Nathan. Let's hear it. Speaking of the things that we like the most so far. This is technically that, yeah. My number five is another documentary called Minding the Gap. Oh, you watched it. You mentioned this to me. So, Kevin, sometimes after I watch a documentary, I'll think to myself, was that actually a well-made movie, or was it just like a fascinating true story yeah. that any mediocre director could have made into something entertaining? Hmm. I think that there's... I'm not going to name names and like be negative, but there's some movies specifically that I think are just like a really unbelievable story told in a okay way. Mm-hmm. But they're considered great documentaries because, like, the stories told in them are fascinating. Yeah. This movie is pretty much the exact opposite of that. The stuff that happens in this movie is, I would say, completely unremarkable. Yeah. But the way that it's told is, like, one of the best stories of any movie that I saw this year. Really? I absolutely love Mining the Gap so much. So it's a documentary about three men from Rockford, Illinois, who grew up skateboarding together. And the film pretty much focuses on how domestic violence has played a role in each of their lives. Wow. And uh, the director, Bing Liu, basically the footage in this movie was shot over the course of probably like a year and a half to two years. And a lot of it is just like him filming his friends while he's hanging out with them. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of skateboarding, but it's also just life. They'll have like a backyard barbecue. They'll just be hanging out in their living room. And at first, it doesn't even feel like there's any kind of narrative happening. Like, it's just, you just feel like you're learning about these people, you're hanging out with them, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it, and you're just kind of, like, seeing what their lives are like. Yeah. By the end, I realized that, like, the director had a very clear vision for the story he wanted to tell all along, and it was only at the end when looking back that I realized, like, at some point, this went from just, like, an interesting documentary to a really captivating drama that, like, brought me to tears. Like, I cried during this movie. And it's... The story is just weaved together. It's like the storyline of three different people, one of which is the director himself. He's kind of, okay. he's one of the characters like, he's in one of the, the movie. The filmmaking is just masterful. And this guy is, he's young. From, from what I know, he's like in his early 20s. Yeah. And these are just his childhood friends. And like, what a way to make he, a movie. he may have done some other work, like little stuff, but like this movie has blown up. I've heard about it all over the place. Yeah. People, it's getting a lot of love and it completely deserves it. It's engrossing. Like, I I just, I want to know more about these people. I won't go into spoilers at all. But there's a moment near the end where, basically, a character makes an offhand remark in which he admits to hurtful behavior. Like, he admits to something that's pretty bad, but the way that he says it is, like, he doesn't really care. Yeah. And then the film cuts directly from that to a completely different person who's being interviewed about something totally separate. But, like, the juxtaposition of those two moments was one of my favorite moments of editing in, in a movie this year. It's And, it, again, I'm kind of dancing around the subject. But, you like, very much are. But this movie is on Hulu. It's available to stream. 
I think that anybody who has a Hulu account or has like a uh, cousin's roommate's Hulu account that they can get a hold mm-hmm. of, I would highly recommend this movie. Mining the Gap, I think, is my favorite documentary I've seen in years. I mean, maybe ever. I don't want to overhype it too much because, like I said, there's not there's not a whole lot there in terms yeah. of like this isn't like a, a mind blowing, eye opening documentary. It's just the story of these people's lives, but it's it's so good. It's so good, man. Do you want to know what uh, is interesting? What's that? My number five is also my favorite documentary of the year. What's that one? It's called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Orson Welles was the ultimate independent filmmaker. Somewhere between Zen master and God. No other director has been held up to such an impossible standard. Citizen Kane, the greatest motion picture ever made. Do you agree? No, certainly not. That's My next case. one is, though. Could you give us the title of that? I haven't decided what it is yet. Oh. <laughs> the other side of the wind, what is that? Orson Welles' last movie. Everything else I've ever done has been controlled, but I want to go further. It's a story of the last day of the director's life. The darling of Hollywood who fell out of favor. Wait a minute, that's Orson. Is it? Orson, is that you? Everybody will think it's autobiographical, but it's not. Yeah, bullshit. Came across it on Netflix. It came out in November. Hadn't heard much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about Orson Welles, uh, who obviously made oh, yeah. what is widely regarded as the best movie ever, Citizen Kane, and then his career after that kind of fizzled. And it's about him in his older age trying to make his last movie, which he thought would be his masterpiece, that he died during uh, the production of. And it was, I mean, Orson Welles, A, is just such an enigma. Like, he made that movie, he was revered, he's a huge character, like, everyone knows, he's got the beard, he's a big, powerful guy, he's, was insanely famous, um, and, like, these, it's, it's just such a fascinating documentary about the pettiness and just these insane circumstances, how the Iranian Revolution played into him, like, losing... Uh, losing popularity in Hollywood, and it it blows your mind because when you think of Orson Welles, and I'm I'm a I love film, like I studied film a bit in school, um, so Orson Welles is part of the fucking coursework. He's like he's required when you're learning about film um, or radio, even because he did his War of the Worlds thing that people thought was a real alien invasion back in the day on the mm-hmm. radio. Like he's everyone knows him, but this it's such like a it's with the cast and crew of this movie. It's with people who were with him every day. Um, and it's such a close-up look on his life. And he's obviously, he's not the best person in the world, but he really valued friendship. And, you know, he said many times betraying a friend is like the worst thing you could do. And he gets betrayed by so many friends during the making of, well, during his later career. It was just an, it's a beautifully made movie. There's so much footage of him that is unseen before. Um, the movie he's trying to make, too, is called The Other Side of the Wind, which, A, is a great title and is like, perfect for him but that movie they just released this right, year as well on Netflix yeah on Netflix um, so of course that comes up right after you finish the documentary I still need to watch that but just an amazing movie just a good reflection of his life and how just what happened to him because you don't really ever hear about him much after in the later years and this was supposed to be his masterpiece and he was really being innovative with how he made the movie a lot of it was improv and he was waiting for things to happen instead of scripting it um, but just a I, if you like film and you like uh, history and you're just like Orson Welles is just such an enigma to me that I always want to know more about him um, this movie was phenomenal it's narrated by Alan Cummings it's done in a really cool way 
Um, the format is not your normal documentary at all. And it is uh, definitely worth... It's like an hour and a half on Netflix. It's completely worth a watch if you consider yourself a movie aficionado at all. Um, and it will absolutely make you want to watch his new movie, The Other Side of the Wind. But just... Oh, my God. I, I find myself pausing and like Googling things and looking at things so many times during this movie just because it was fascinating. It fascinated me to an extent that no other movie did in 2018. Wow. How about that, Nathan? Yeah, I'm very excited to watch that. You should. I, I definitely do want to watch that alongside uh, his Other Side of the Wind. Yes. Um, at the same time. Two TVs. To conserve space. Yeah, let's do it. Space and time, yeah. Let's do that, yeah. Well, Kevin, they will love us when we're dead, and uh, we'll be dead faster if we keep eating Taco Bell. That's true. So let's go. Let's bust into these triple-layer nachos. I know Orson Welles would. The triple-layer nachos are described as tortilla chips and beans in nacho cheese and tangy red sauces. These look fucking disgusting. I honestly, I think that's the first time you've cursed on this show, and I could not agree with your usage of a cuss word right there. These look nasty. These look like they were made in a 7-Eleven Slurpee machine with just all different kinds of shit coming out on top of them. Now, if you're going to eat nachos, I like them uh, after they've sat for about an hour and a half. Soggy, cold. Um, makes it so you really can't even scoop anything up. Even the nachos that are barely touching any of the toppings are soft. I don't get it. I don't know, man. Ugh. What? I mean, do we even... I'm like, I'm picking off the sides here. I don't really want to get into that middle mess. No. Mountain of beans and sauce and cheese. No. I would say don't get these. Probably ever. Just get some chips and some queso on the side. This is just a, a bad idea. I'm, I'm trying to dig in the middle. Oh, my God. Would you say that you dislike this or the tostada more? I dislike this the most, by far. The tostada at least had good flavor and some variety of texture. Mm. This is just fucking nasty. I need, some, I need to wash that down with some nice bubbly champagne. This texture is horrible. It pairs nicely, though, with the champagne. Yeah, this uh, Shapugni is pretty good. Washing it down. Kevin, what is your number four film of 2018? My number four, let me tell you, there were two movies about, uh, you know, the, the good old days, Queens and such, uh, that came out around the same Bohemian time. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. My number four is Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary is our foe. We must never bow to her as we bow before you. You have the boldness to doubt my judgment. She is only your queen if I should not produce an heir. What is it like to have a man? <laughs> With heaven's blessing, we bring an heir to Scotland and to England. It is a clear provocation. We must make war in Scotland. So put your skills to use. Do not play into their hands. Our hatred is precisely what they hope for. I know your heart has more within it than the men who counsel you. You would do well to watch your words. I will not be scolded by my inferior. Your inferior. Are you afraid, Henry? I'm not normally one for period pieces. I don't like Downton Abbey. The favorite was my number nine. These oddly came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think either of them would end up being in my top ten, and yet here they are. Uh, the cinematography in this movie is, I think, honestly unparalleled in this year, in 2018. It is so beautifully shot. Saoirse Ronan is absolutely amazing in this. 
the performance of her career, honestly, I think. I don't think she'll have better. I don't think she has had better. Margot Robbie, also great. David Tennant as John Knox in this was phenomenal, too. The cast was amazing. I mean, Guy Pierce was in it. It was so well done. The tension was so well done. And it's all about, you know, these people whispering in your ears or your advisors telling you how to do it, going behind your back, betraying you. Um, just amazing how impressive it was that these two queens, uh, Queen Elizabeth and then Queen Anne, I want to say, or Queen Queen Mary of Scotland, of course. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots is the name of the movie, so that does add up. Um, just how these two women had to navigate a sea of men trying to control them all the time and influence their decisions, which impacted the whole country, mm-hmm. um, was really, it was just amazing to watch. Neither of them... <laughs> had a very easy time doing it but just a beautiful movie extremely well acted um Saoirse I think really sealed it for me though like it was it was just impressive and I think yeah I'm not like I said I'm not one for historical movies or biographies that much um this was phenomenal again based on a true story if you're going to see the favorite or Mary Queen of Scots because you can only handle one movie about queens who like to go to bed with a lot of people see Mary Queen of Scots although the favorite is also good, but on a whole different level. This is definitely a lot more serious movie um, than The Favorite, but it is so well done. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I did not get around to seeing. And I wish that I had. And I think that, yeah, I think that these movies coming out, you know, Mary Queen of Scots and The Favorite coming out around yeah. the same time, I think probably hurt both of them a little bit. I because agree. Because not many people, I think, are probably going to see both of them. Yeah. Because they seem to have very similar subject matter. But yeah. I do believe, I'm sure they're extremely different movies. They are. They are. Uh, but both great. What's your number four? My number four is a movie that we talked about, I think it was about three and a half hours ago, called American Animals. Ooh, man, number three four. or four? That makes me so happy. American Animals. Ugh. We talked at length about it already. I almost had it higher. God damn it. I, I love this movie. So good. So much. It 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 blew me away. It's, it's, I it's, knew I should it's have a... It's a type of storytelling unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yes. Having these 100%. these documentary subjects being alongside yep. their fictional counterparts. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie should be required viewing for all high schoolers. Agreed. Because th- the message of this movie is think before you do something stupid. Yeah. Because it will affect your life forever. 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 And when... Like, like we talked earlier about teenagers and how they have no empathy and they're yep. scary. The people in this film, I think, are about 19 or 20. And, like, their motivations for trying to pull off this heist money are... It, well, it's money and also just they're bored and they want their lives to be as interesting as movies. Like, yeah. I personally love heist movies. And I, oh, these, yeah. you know, these characters in this film also like the idea of pulling off a heist you know mm-hmm. like it's so fun watching something like Ocean's Eleven where it's like a bunch of highly skilled people yes. pull off something that's like seems impossible and they do it and it goes great and they, it's just that's what's fun about these movies yeah. but like if you set out to do something like that in real life you're gonna have to think about the consequences Yeah. or you could, or you could just ignore the consequences and do it anyways and it's it's gonna hurt people yep. people are gonna suffer and you're gonna have to deal with it and that's I think that's what's so interesting about the storytelling in this movie where it goes back to the real life subjects is that you learn about how they've had to grapple yeah. with their actions. Yeah. There's these there's these like very, very high stress moments where these guys are trying to pull off this job yeah. and they're disagreeing about like 
like one of them wants to do this, the other one's like that. Like I will not cross that line, mm-hmm. and they're trying to like argue about this while it's happening, and it's like it's kind of funny seeing it happen like that. But like all four of these guys go further than what they would have ever expected yep. doing in, in the heat of the moment because they're like we've already gotten ourselves this far. We got to keep going. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to turn back now. And it's such a a grounded story about the kind of thing that we see in movies a lot, but don't consider the implications of and yeah yeah, we've said over and over it's just like one of the most original methods of storytelling 100 seen everyone should see it i think especially younger kids i I agree with you should have to watch this movie because it does it makes you just think about your actions and the consequences that you have Mm -hmm. um that they have but uh very happy that that was so high on your list yeah we're running low on uh dollar menu items from taco bell now we only got three left and I don't want any more. I think that our last non-dessert item is the uh, beefy mini quesadilla. Great, I wanted something light, so that's perfect. Speaking of stories told in ways we've never seen before, let's eat something that's pretty much the same as something we already ate, but with a different type of meat. Oh my god, that was the worst transition of the day, brought to you by Nathan. Uh, please remember that all of mine were better than that. This is the beefy mini quesadilla, which is uh, beef, chipotle sauce, and a three-cheese blend wrapped in a warm tortilla. Pretty self-explanatory. It's heavy. Uh, it's hefty. And oh, don't, I'm not hungry. Don't know. I'm not hungry at all. I just opened it up, and the smell I got was not good. It's not bad. It's weird that the flavor of it's pretty good. I definitely like this more than the chicken one. 100%. Yeah. Do they have different sauces? God. Our caloric intake is off the charts. This actually does have a different sauce. That's what it is. It's got that chipotle sauce. How many different sauces does this place have? I mean, good God. just could be infinite. Might be, actually. I'm going to finish mine. I'm not hungry. I but almost I'm gonna go finished ahead and mine, but then I, I realized uh, my football team plays later today. And I'm going to probably be eating food during that, because that's stress eating. And then there's the Golden Globes tonight. More stress eating. More, stre- <laughs> more stress eating. More champagne up. So it's going to be a big day. Speaking of uh, Taco Bell food items that we've already eaten and uh, all contain the same three ingredients, let's get to our number three. So uh, my number three yeah. is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Miles Morales. Brooklyn! I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're going to love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to yeah. release and whip it out again. Okay. Swift and release. You're a natural. Swift. So, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a a new animated Spider-Man movie, basically about a bunch of different Spider-Man characters from different universes that merge into one. The main character is Miles Morales, Mm -hmm. who's like a young kid from New York who Mm -hmm. admires Mm Spider-Man. The movie is about him becoming Mm Spider-Man. I mean, the number one thing I can say about this movie is that... Style. Mind-blowing. Absolutely. Every second... Of this movie, my jaw was open because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. I read a review where the author described it as 
the biggest leap in animation since Toy Story. Yeah. I feel like this is the kind of animation that's like pushing the limits of what's possible. Hundred percent. This movie at the beginning, because this the whole movie stays very true to the comic books, and I've never seen this before a movie, but it had a very pronounced approved by like the Comic Book Association of America mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, I think it's because they literally animate this whole movie like a comic book. Like that's why I think I've never seen that approval on any other Marvel or DC movie. I I read an article. A 10,000 word article that was about all the Easter eggs in this movie. And I think it lists. I can't imagine. I think it lists like 70. I can't imagine. And each one has like a detailed background. It's like, it's written by this guy who like has read every issue of every Spider Man and like is is a genius about on the subject. But he explains how that little, that little insignia is actually something that used to appear on comics because it was kind of like the, like the MPAA of comics because like many decades ago there was. A scare that like parents thought that comics were sure. not good for kids in the same way they like nowadays like video YouTube, games yeah. and yeah the internet and so they had this like like the comic world these companies had this like self regulation body yeah. called the what I forget what it's called I what you just said but it's somewhere. saying they would, the comics would have that little logo saying approved by this group oh. that group from what I remember that group no longer exists okay. and that's just in this movie as like a nod to, to people who love comics that's fast because that stuck with me like after the movie I was like I wonder if that's because they really did it to a T to match a comic book and it's I mean I think that like to someone who hasn't seen this movie and who might not be interested in comic books I'm not I don't want that to be off-putting because yes. I'm not into comic books at all neither am I but this movie is like a comic book come to life mm-hmm. it is I'm seeing something for like an hour and a half, yeah. it's just like nothing I've ever seen before. 100%, like yeah. the 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 action, like the things that happen in this movie, really wouldn't be possible in any kind of live action movie. No, God no. And all the textures, like it looks like like if you ever like look at a newspaper real close, you see like the way it's printed is like yeah. different colored dots on top of each other. You have that like visual style yeah. of like this whole thing was printed frame by frame. Yeah, um, it's got this like. You're a fan of the Lego movie, right? Big time. That's one of my favorite yes. animated movies ever. Yep. And that both that movie and this one uses technique where they have it's actually two frames at a time. Yep. And it makes it feel more stop motiony. It does. Even though it's it's on a computer, it's not really stop motion, yep. but like doing those delayed frames it does. gives it, may- it this life. It, it it feels more like handcrafted. It does. I think it feels it feels like you're flipping through a comic book. Like yeah, it, it, it really does. does. And it's it's mixed media too, like you know, it's not all old school comic book style. Maybe the background is, but then something happening in the foreground is totally kind of different. Yeah, totally different anime. Like there's like some three D animation yes. during some parts, and it's a, a f- super phenomenal storyline, like amazing storyline. I think the yeah. characters who come in too, it's done in such a unique way. You get like their full backstory every time a new Spider Man comes yeah, in. Which I love is, it. Each one is unique, interesting, and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Maybe not hilarious. But I'm thinking of Spider Ham mostly there, right. uh, who is hilarious and John Mulaney might get his own spinoff movie for that little pig. But I hope so. My God, I hope so. <laughs> um, but they did this, and I went into this pretty pessimistic. I had a rave review from you, but I thought I hate how many Spider Man movies there are. <laughs> this is a movie about several Spider Men in one, uh, and I'm probably not going to like it. But it was. So good. I, I mean, incredible. And like you said, there's no other movie that was made in this way. This is yeah. the most unique animation I've probably ever seen. Which is, at first, it's almost... I, in my head, I thought, man, I'm going to have a headache from watching this. Because a lot of times, 
things are fuzzy or out of focus or things that are kind of doubled, you know, and slightly off in, yeah. in a frame. And it's, it almost throws you at first, but then you get so into it. And it's everywhere you look on the screen, it's, it's something interesting. It's something new. It's, it's comic booky, whether it's like a bang or power, like the Spidey sense thing, like yeah. how they integrate all these different types of animation is absolutely incredible. I, it's, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It I is. love one of my favorite, like those comic elements in this movie is like the onomatopoeia like the sound effects yes. you know and like the reason that those exist in comic books is because there's no sound in a comic book yeah and so that's how they represent it is saying like bang or pow or whatever yep. but like this is a movie where <laughs> you have necessary. audio and it's completely unnecessary but it's so fun yeah it to is. like see something and like you just like it has the word that is the sound you're yep. hearing it is fun it's so good I think uh, it also gave me one of my favorite lines from Spider-Ham who was a pig Mm-hmm. Roughly based off Porky Pig, you could say. When he, they're all saying, like, they're asking if Miles is ready to be Spider-Man, and they're like, "Can you swing? Can you do this?" And he goes, "Can you float through the air when you see a good pie?" And he's like, following the smell of a good pie. <laughs> Mulaney just killed it in that role. He's great. The voice acting is fantastic. Yeah. There's okay, Shamik Moore is Miles Morales. Jake Johnson, yes. Nick from New oh, Girl, he did so well. Is Peter Parker? He did so well. He's, He's great. Haley Steinfeld is in it yep. as uh, Gwen Stacy. Mahershala Ali yep. uh, plays the uncle. Yeah, and then uh, Brian Tyree Henry plays Miles' father. Mm-hmm. But he also has had a great year. Yes, too. He's in he's in Widows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Street could talk. Mm-hmm. Atlanta. He's all over the place. Yeah. John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage. So Amazing many cast. great voices. I think. Um... All the voices were great. I think the dad, too, did a really good job. Like, there were some pretty tender moments. Um, like, the moment between yeah. the door with father and son uh, is, like, very touching. I thought he did a great job. Really good job, the dad, in that movie. And, yeah. like, it, dropping him off at school, too. Embarrassing him. Also, yeah. I mean, this is... Classic dads. I think that this movie was probably the most I laughed in a theater this year. It's a really funny movie. It was. It was. And it's it's touching. It's just so There's a there's so much. I feel like I need to watch it six more times. Yeah. That's what I felt like leaving the theater. I was like, I probably missed twenty or thirty subtle jokes. Right. I, I usually don't go out and like research the movies I just watched mm-hmm. to get more, understand more. That's exactly what I did after you I saw have that. To. You almost have to with this one. I'm like I know that I'm missing a lot of things. Yeah. But even though there's all these Easter eggs and like there's like more deep down to appreciate mm-hmm. on the surface level I think it's a totally you know it's a, an approachable movie for anyone regardless yeah. of how much you even know about these characters absolutely that's the thing you don't need to know anything about Spider-Man yeah you really don't I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite superhero movie probably since The Dark Knight like I you can't like it better I can't the... think of another one <laughs> since The Dark Knight that I've liked this much wow I love it I can't classify that yet I need to watch it again that's the thing. Now, Kevin, what is your number three movie of 2018? My number three movie of 2018 is also a masterpiece of animation, let me tell you. Um, from one of my favorite directors of all time, Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. Like I said, Wes Anderson, I'm a huge fan of every one of his films. 
Uh, so I was very excited for this to come out because I'm also a huge fan of Islands and Dogs. Um, and Controversial just, opinions. I know. Not many people are. I also like traveling, coffee. If you check my Tinder profile, you can find all this. Easy. Whoa. But it was it was no exception. It was a great movie. It exceeded my expectations. I have a huge appreciation for stop-motion films, too. The amount of time it takes for 10 seconds, much less a feature-length film made with stop-motion animation, is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Literally, to me, it's mind-blowing. Um, and this one is so well done. I mean, can you imagine the hairs on 50 dogs in no. one stop-motion scene moving each individual thing? It blows my mind. But the plot was great. The characters were great. The dogs, like, dogs negotiating over food in, like, a dump on an island is, like, one of the funniest scenes. Like, it's... It's it's fantastic. It's a phenomenal movie. And, and the way that that scene, like, plays out visually. Like, yes. all the dogs fight, and it's just, like, the smoke cloud of cotton. Yes. And it's just, it's so That's what I'm good. saying, is there's so many, like, creative things they do with the animation in this movie. That it's not, like you said, Spider-Man wouldn't have been possible in live action. This wouldn't have been even closely possible in live action either, but they do. There's so many just creative ways they go about showing things in this movie. I absolutely love this movie. I know you already own this movie, so I'm sure you're of the same boat. Um, but it's just it's shot so well as all of Wes Anderson's movies are. The cast is off the charts. Obviously, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, of course, Greta Gerwig, uh, Francis McDormand, Scarlett Joe, Harvey Keitel. Like it goes on for days. Yoko Ono is even in it. Just, yeah, it's an excellent cast. Oh, it's an excellent cast, and they're all so good. And I I just love this movie. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if Wes Anderson's ever going to make a bad movie, but I'll definitely be seeing it in theaters if he does. So you mentioned that I, I own this movie, and mm-hmm. I recently rewatched it, and I watch all of the bonus features. Yeah, and there's a handful that I talk about the animation, you know, and there's one about like the the character models themselves. Yeah, yeah. the hair on the dogs, the hairs were individually that's, needled into these. That's models. what I'm saying. It's insane to me. Like. Thousands and thousands of yes. hairs per dog. And that well, you see the movie and you're like, that looks like real fucking dog hair. Yeah. And it's moving in the wind like real fucking dog hair. And that's insane. Yeah. They're going through blades of grass. It's just I, I feel like a lot of people might not appreciate it and think, oh, it's mostly done with computers and things like that. It's a mainly practical effects and yeah. it's literally mind blowing. There's no other word for it. Like the amount of time and effort and planning an execution that needs to be pulled off to make this movie work. Crazy. And I remember specifically even watching a character eat sushi and like put wasabi on it was like one of the most satisfying scenes to me. The watching sushi his... preparation yes. scene, yeah, yeah. Is I like there's nothing <laughs> nothing more satisfying. Oh, so good. That. It's just like a top view of a chef mm-hmm. preparing the ingredients to make sushi. And it's I don't I, there's no words that no. can that can describe Go how I feel it. when I watch that scene. It's is such a satisfying scene. Yeah. Everybody who works on these movies like this are just like they just love this so much. Like they're they have they're, to. they're spending their entire day for months yeah. just moving clay characters a it's tiny bit insane. at a time. It's insane. And the end product is is great. I love <sighs> it too. Great movie. Speaking of uh movies that were just delightful or a treat, we're uh we're on to our desserts now for Taco Bell's dollar menu. We are. Up next is these cinnamon twists. Ooh. Now these twists, you know what they are. They're just big, airy churros. God, they're good though, man. And uh, let's let's just... We did these as a spoiler snack already we did. once. You know what they are. Let's just eat them. 
They're so good. They're so light. So light they just melt. Nice and sweet. This is this this just totally makes up for all that shit we ate. I have a literal Kevin, why don't you tell me about your uh number two film of twenty eighteen? Hmm. My number two film of twenty eighteen has a two in the title. Too fast, too furious? <laughs> that that came out ten years ago. It is Incredibles Two. It's my number two wow. favorite movie of the year. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? <clears throat> Whoa! I like Mom's new job! Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math uh, is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. Hello? Hey, honey. How are the kids? Everything's great. Is she having adolescence? And Jack Jack? He's in excellent health. We did an episode on this as well, I believe, where we talked at length about how much uh, we appreciated this movie. Um, You know, in terms of sequels, uh, it was not a stale, uh, boring sequel or kind of where they played on the same old things. I think they brought a ton of newness to this franchise. Um, The action was what we hit on really hard in our podcast, was how unique the fights were in this. The superpowers were all really creative. It was done in a really cool way. Um, the animation, of course, is top top notch from Disney Pixar. Um, but I, this movie to me was the one I think I laughed out loud the most in in 2018. I was laughed the raccoon fight alone uh, yeah. with Baby Jack Jack. I was <laughs> losing my mind, and it's just I, I don't know. You go into a movie like this and you you're not expecting much a sequel for an animated movie, um, and it blew me away in all honesty. And it was I think just a great movie across the board. I know you had some issues with some things from it, but yeah, I think for me the everything but the plot was it was a lot of fun, and I just had some issues. I kind of got hung up on yeah. in terms of like the villain and the way the events unfold. But some of the best action in the movie this year, yeah the the scene where Elastigirl is racing around the city mm-hmm. on her motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Again, this is another example of something that like wouldn't be possible with live yeah. action, obviously because nobody's body stretches like that. Yes. But like the way that her like two-piece motorcycle can maneuvers because of her body being stretchy is yep. so good it is the movie's so funny the first Incredibles is one of my all-time favorite movies 100%. and i was very worried that this would really not live up to that and i think for the most part it did like it yeah. it it brought me back in so many ways that you loved really... the you loved the screenslaver if I recall, you love that name. Right, my, uh, yeah, the name, Screensaver, I liked. My my main issue, which, again, we have a whole episode on this, I'm not going to go into detail, but I felt like the Screensaver proposed a lot of very interesting questions, and then the movie didn't answer them, and so yeah. that was what bothered me about the villain, but other than that, yeah, this was, and this is a great, like, summer flick. It was. It made an insane amount of money, This is rightfully why, so. Yeah, this is why I talked about, you know, when you see it, who you're with, and everything like that, because... It was a great summer day. Went into a theater, left happy, laughing. This is the third um, biggest box office uh, movie in 2018, Incredibles yeah. 2, uh, which is nuts. 
After two other Disney Correct. Movies. Man, they're doing it right. What uh, What was your... Does your second movie include a number two in the title? It does not. Mm. So here's... Uh, I want to give a little disclaimer. My number one and number two, I have agonized over the order of them. Wow. I've known which two it is. I know what one is for sure. And, and, and I am losing sleep over which one's number one. Because to me, being number one is such a step up. That's like, looking back on every year... What was your favorite movie that year? And I want to have I, I want to have one answer to that question. I think between my literal top twenty, number twenty and number one, there is such a fine difference, minuscule difference in quality. I, they're all so good that I could rearrange my top ten and still be happy with it. Well, speak for yourself. I just did, but I put a lot of you know a lot of thought into this. Great, and you are going to be disappointed to find out that my number two is A Star is Born. I'm not disappointed at all. I'm just am not going to do this fucking podcast with you. <laughs> you know, man, in the old days, I always knew, like, you were going to do something, that you'd be all right. It's the first time I'm worried about you. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they like the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. We have an entire hour-long episode where uh, Kevin and I just gushed, gushed nonstop about how much we love A Star is Born. I think we also mentioned it in about six other episodes. As we should. Yeah. And I'm probably going to continue mentioning A Star is Born Absolutely. on this show. This movie floored me. Completely floored. floored me. And I think that a big reason for that was that I had very low expectations. Same. We both really only saw this movie because we decided to review it. Yep. When we both saw it opening weekend, I I hadn't heard a single thing about it. Yeah, I right. hadn't heard any of my I hadn't heard any friends tell me anything good or bad about it. Mm-hmm. I just went out and saw it as soon as it came out. And I could not believe the experience that I had watching this film. Yeah. Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott are giving what I think are by far their best performances of their careers. Yeah. Bar none. Yes. Lady Gaga is great as well. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper's direction. The oh, fact that this is a directorial debut doesn't make sense. No, it's it's a like I think we said 20 times in our episode on this, it's a masterclass. Yeah. Across the board, he did everything right. The subtleties, the way he shows a major event is like through such a small visual window. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh my God, this movie. He knows exactly how much to show you yeah. and what to leave to your imagination. Yes. And that is such a delicate balance. It is. That I've, I've never seen that line written so well. Like yeah. It's, there's, there's, there's all so many scenes where like you're just getting a little glimpse of their lives. And like mm-hmm. it's, it's moving through events so fast, but you're just, it's all a taste. It's a taste yeah. of this. You're getting a feel of that. It's, the pacing is... It's perfect. overwhelming. And, and it's, it's, especially the first half is kind of the rise of her career. Yeah. And you're right there with her like... That feeling of, I can't believe this is happening. Yep. You totally are in those shoes. And then the second half is focusing more on the 
fall of his career mm-hmm. and it's slower more painful yep. and again you get that like you you are totally in those characters heads yeah the entire I think, time i think a big part of it too and again i don't want to say stuff we've already said on the episode but the characters are just all so relatable and so real and the settings like the house the domestic house that she lives in with her dad is literally just it doesn't seem like a set you know it's not perfect there's nothing's perfect in that movie Nothing mm-hmm. seems like a major motion picture. It all seems so real because there's people stumbling over words. There's people, uh, you know, with a messy house or it's, oh God, I just. And there's there's no perfect people. They're yeah. far from perfect. It's Everyone very, flawed. very flawed characters. Yep. It's through the writing and the acting that you get that incredibly nuanced set of characters. Yeah. It's just so good. It is. And I, I think uh, we'll probably talk about it more in a couple minutes here. Just to guess. All right, those are our number twos, and I cannot wait to go number two. Because after all this Taco Bell, let's finish off with a uh, caramel apple empanada. This is described as warm apple chunks and a caramel sauce in a pastry pocket. Now, I uh, wildly misspoke earlier when I said that the cheese roll-up wasn't gonna be my favorite yeah, on this I don't list. Yeah, know what you were thinking. This was the, my favorite. The caramel apple empanada is one of my all-time favorite fast food items. Yeah. Period. It's great. You can't go wrong. Let's let's just My, eat this. I am so full. Uh, I don't want to eat this at all, and that's saying a lot because I I absolutely love these as well. Too much. I'm done. One bite and I'm done. God, those are good though. What How a, do they nail the caramel apple so well? What a fitting end to, a great to year. this roller coaster of not only a year but of a slew of Mexican inspired cuisine. You know this they, thing uh, is—it's phenomenal. You know what they call that in uh, Mexico? What's that? <laughs> Bien. You know we're ending on a high note, food-wise. We saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. Saved our top movies for last as well. We did. I'm gonna go first with my number one. Break the order because it's a Star Is Born. Again, if you want to hear us gush like Niagara Falls, like the caramel. In this empanada, gushing out, down my throat. Gush. So much gushing happens in our episode on A Star is Born that you don't need another ten minutes of me gushing about it. Everything about the movie is great. Bradley Cooper, cast, we just talked about it for ten minutes. I won't I won't do this again. But I think it's the best movie of the year. I do. I truly, truly do. And I, if, if it doesn't win Best Picture, I will be shocked. And appalled. And just a little angry. One thing I didn't say yet is that I think A Star is Born is the most recommendable movie of the year for me. Even though it's not my number one, that's the one that I can with no reservation say to anybody. Like, I've actually been asked probably like three or so times in the last month, like, you know, there's a lot of movies out. What's one I should watch? And my answer every time is, if you can still see it, A Star is Born. Like, you can't go wrong. It's not not if you're into this, you'll like this. It's just a fantastic movie. It's just a great story. Fantastic movie. You're absolutely right. And now, give me give me your number one here. I want the juicy details. My number Can one. Can I guess? It's either going to be First Man, If Beale Street Could Talk, Beautiful Boy, Ben Is Back, or Roma. Well, five strikes and you're out. Really? None of them? It was none of those. Blind spotting. Burning. Can you ever forgive me? How many strikes are in an inning? Okay, let's just... Why don't you just tell me what it is? My number one film of the year. Just barely beating oh out God. A Star Is Born. You are so annoying. Is Isle of Dogs. Yeah, baby! What a fucking movie. 
God. Yeah. Wes Anderson. When the credits rolled Keep that after Isle of Dogs, when I saw it back in the spring, I had never felt such a feeling of love mm-hmm. for a film. Yeah. Not only love, but... Admiration. I would say almost infatuation. I was overwhelmed by how much I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Visually alone. Yeah. Even if every aspect other than the visuals was bad, this would still be a must-see movie. 100%. The animation... It's a, an gorgeous. amazing movie. It is. And the design of like the titles and the oh. translations it was made with such love mm-hmm. like any frame of this film could be like printed out and be a poster i would buy every single one the wow. way that the frame moves mm-hmm. the, the the feeling that it gives me just looking at this movie i honestly i want to rewatch this movie and just turn the sound off yeah why not and just look at it it still would be an amazing story and you could get most of the points like you would still that's how you can tell it's so well told i think is that it's just oh, and to do it with fucking clay like it's insane. And so I mean, we've talked all about you know the visuals, the voice acting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I like Wes Anderson. I think this is his funniest movie that I can recall. Like, it, there's so many running gags yeah. that I love. Yeah, well, it's just dogs. I mean, there's so many like jokes about dogs. They're that so are charming, phenomenally charming, and just like. It does. It just, it's a heartwarming movie. It truly is. And the the score is fantastic. Oh, God. And even aside from all of that, like all of those things would already probably make it my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. But the message is oh, yeah. so important for the world right I now. I 100% agree. This could be the new Mr. Rogers, actually. They could just play this every day for kids. So, we know, we already talked when we spoke about Won't You Be My Neighbor, about mm-hmm. the state of the world. Mm-hmm. And like how media can help that, yeah. Ideally, yep. And across the world, in our country, even there's leaders who have gained support by dehumanizing those who are the most disadvantaged. Yeah. And the way that Wes Anderson uses this relationship between dogs and humans as a metaphor for that is so powerful. Yeah. And we see the whole story from the perspective of the dogs, and they don't understand the language of the humans. Who are oppressing them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we as a viewer are not given translations for that dialogue. And so like there's entire scenes where there's a lot of people talking and we have no clue what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of it's more scary because they're they're plotting and planning about what's going to happen to the dogs. And we don't know what that is. And it leaves you so unsure of what's going on. It gives you this uneasiness. So it's like this authoritarian mayor. You Mm -hmm. know, he's he's. Banishing all these dogs to Trash Island of course. because they have a dog flu. Yep. And he's, you know, a lot of his supporters are for this. Like they're against dogs. They think that this is something that needs to be done. And this leader, Kobayashi, he rejects the science that indicates that there could be a okay. cure to the dog flu because <clears throat> he knows that he has more power when his supporters are passionate and they're angry yep. at the lowest class of people because it makes them feel better. Yeah. It, it elevates them. They're not them, yeah. Yeah. We talked a few times about like our favorite lines in movies this year. Mm-hmm. I think that my favorite line is when... So the mayor's nephew, he's gone to rescue his dog from Trash Island. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the, the story is about. And then he... I'm not going to go into spoilers, but he he's pleading with the people 
basically to support the dogs, yeah. you know, to, to stop supporting this plan to banish the dogs. And, you know, he's speaking to a crowd and there's a translator who's speaking so that we can understand what he's saying. And there's a moment when the translator looks directly at the camera, like at us, mm-hmm. and says, the cycle of life always hangs in a delicate balance. Who are we? Who do we want to be? That's, that's such a yeah. That's such a beautiful Powerful sentiment because fear is a part of our human nature. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be power-hungry people who try to take advantage of those fears yep. for their own personal gain. But w- we all have to resist that. Like we, we have to rise above that. Mm-hmm. We have to choose empathy instead of fear. What would Mister Rogers do? Truly, I know. And I, I see this these themes throughout my list of like a, a handful of these movies are just like I think that if we were not living in such turbulent times, these movies probably wouldn't have such an impact on me. But do you think it's because we're living in such turbulent times that movies like this are being made? It's chicken or the egg. Do we have any eggs we could eat? I'm not going to eat food for a few days. I'm feeling uh, good right now. You're here on the high right now. There's going to be a very <laughs> large crash. Let me tell you that will. I'm going to be. I'm going to go buy a backup plunger actually because I think that's going to be an issue. I'm going to be relapsing around 2 a.m. breaking into somebody's house looking for empanadas. <laughs> that's where they keep them. Do you have any uh, honorable mentions for your list uh, that we have not yet mentioned? I only have 13. Honorable mentions? You have 13. Honorable mentions. Yeah. Is Longer there, than my literal list. Can you pick a couple that we've not touched on yet? I'm going to rattle off very quickly. Okay. All 13. A Simple Favor is number one great movie. If Beale Street Could Talk, another great movie about real family. Won't You Be My Neighbor was on there. Eighth Grade was on there. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. A Quiet mm-hmm. Place almost made my list. Vice almost made my list. Gringo was a great one that flew under the radar. Spider-Man, Deadpool 2, Crazy Rich Asians. And the shocker... For me, the most surprising honorable mention, Bumblebee. Really? Which was the new Transformers movie that brought me back to like the first Transformers movie. Haley Stanfield did a great job in it. Honestly, almost put it on my top ten list. Wow. I know. Which I'm says a lot for a Transformers movie, but it's a new director, no more Michael Bay. Yeah. It's nice. How about you? You know, the ones that just didn't make my list were uh, Bad Times of the El Royale. I need to see that. Love it. Yeah. I, I described it on the show as like a Tarantino film, but with heart. Yes. It's a, it's, a, it's a really great movie. I watched Hotel Artemis last night, which I put in the same vein. Kind of a the favorite Queen Mary, Queen of Scots situation. Those two came out around the same time and were mm, oddly yeah. similar. I've also got Boy Erased. Yep. Leave No Trace. Mm. Uh, the Death of Stalin. I need to see all these. And then... It, it, I don't think it would have made my list, but I just want to give a shout-out to Paddington, too. I can't tell you how many articles I've read about that movie being perfect and amazing. And I still haven't seen it. I need to see it right away. It's really good. It's I, got 100%, I think, still on Rotten Tomatoes. I watched the first one in preparation. I don't think you need to watch the first one to I enjoy have seen the, the second one. one. But, yeah, it's a it's just a joy. Yeah. It's, you like your heart warmers. Yeah. But see, again, that's I think this movie really landed... In a special place for me because year. of oh, just the world because of like the constant state of like you check the news and you just think yeah. what can I distract myself with? Have some kids. Movies I wanted to see but didn't get around to. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna rattle these off for you, and I think guarantee that these would have made my list had I seen them. Can you ever forgive me? Mm-hmm. Is supposed to be phenomenal. Melissa McCarthy. I really liked great. it. Yeah. You saw it? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Roma didn't see. Bodied. I really want to see. Uh, the House That Jack Built, Lars von Trier's new movie, The Kindergarten Teacher Burning, Paul Dano's writing and directing debut, Wildlife, 
with Jake Gills and uh, Carrie Mulligan. The Rider, RBG, Three Identical Strangers, Mid 90s, White Boy Rick, Death of Stalin, First Man, Blind Spotting. Yeah, I saw a fair amount of those. I think the the main ones for me I want to see. There's a lot, but yeah. the the main ones that I wasn't able to physically see that I wish I could were Burning yeah. and Shoplifters. Shoplifters so badly you can't find it anywhere though. No, nope. the hell's going on in the world? So if you had to pick, just if we could be negative for a moment, we haven't done enough negativity in this episode yeah. with our uh, our burritos <coughs> and and, uh, and soggy chips. Mm-hmm. If you could pick your most disappointing movie of the year. And I do not mean worst movie of the year. I mean yeah. one that you were excited for yeah. and just totally fell short. I think we could have the same one here. Mine's The Meg. Ooh. I was very excited. I thought they could have done a lot with it. It looked like it was going to be a wild ride and it was the dullest worst movie I've seen in a long time. I had very high hopes. Normally I don't hype up that much. Mm-hmm. But a movie about a giant shark gets me going and man did that movie suck. We did a whole episode on that, if you want to hear us shitting on that, too. Yeah, that movie was very bad. That that was probably my least favorite movie I saw this year. I think that because my expectations, I was expecting fun, but because I just knew not to take it seriously, that I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. But it was it was very bad. Very bad. Very bad. Really terrible. Yeah. Missed opportunity. What was yours? Mine would either be Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Because that's the sequel to a movie that came out a few years ago you that I high hopes on that absolutely a sequel loved. on an action sequel. The first movie is a masterpiece. I agree with that, but yeah. this one was bad. Yeah, very bad. Same cast, but completely different filmmakers. Yeah, absolute waste of time. Yeah. And they're yeah. probably going to make it into a whole franchise. Oh, judging will. by they'll make four more how it ends. Yeah. Uh, the other one for me, I, I didn't hate the movie, but Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh yeah. I didn't like it. I had that in my honorable mentions, actually. I just didn't say it because I know how much you hate it. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. That's, I mean, yeah, you, for a Star Wars guy, that's pretty odd, I think. Yeah, and I have zero interest in ever watching it again. Wow. And, like, this is, I think that Solo is the first Star Wars movie released in my lifetime that I did not see multiple times in theaters. Jeez. Because, like, when the prequels came out when I was young, I was all about them when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I saw all those two or three times each. Yeah. This one, I just thought, I'm good. So if you could pick, uh, let's just, you know, we've done our best movies of the year. Yeah. How about your best uh, entree and best spoiler snack that we've done on the show here? I would say, I personally think, without question, our best entree was Arby's Meat Mountain. That's what I put too, yeah. I mean. Absolutely. I don't know if anything's ever going to beat it. I put a close runner up. And this was actually, I struggled with this probably more than I did for movies, yeah. uh, was BK's Cheesy Bacon Spice, Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich, good which was surprisingly good, heavy on the bacon. It was But good. you can't beat a meat mountain. You just can't do it. You can't. It was... Every bite filled your mouth with six different kinds of meat to the point where you couldn't even breathe. It was such a mess of a sandwich. Ugh. It looked like a disaster. Yeah. It was almost physically impossible to eat. Yeah. I... You can listen on the episode. I got a jaw cramp. You can hear the crack. Trying to open my mouth wide enough yeah. to eat this. Yep. The idea of it is a complete novelty. Oh, There's no reason it needs to be good. Like Nobody getting this is like genuinely looking for a good quality thing. meal. They just It's it's funny and stupid. Yep. That being said, Arby has the meats. They do. As it turns out. Yeah. So your favorite was the meat mountain as well. What was your favorite uh, spoiler snack? I think it might had? be the same here too. My favorite spoiler snack was Culver's Pretzel Bites. It was. That's yours too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's 
Most of our snacks have been sweets, and that's one yeah. that isn't. But man, I soft, perfectly baked pretzels. I think we said this on our episode, but I, I could have paid like twelve bucks for like an appetizer that at, at like a good a, restaurant, yeah, at a pub, and I'd be totally satisfied. Very, they nailed it. They're very good, and the cheese. Oh man, whatever they're putting the in that cheese stuff. is great. Chet and Culver's just nailing the cheddar cheese. I will say, close runner-up is the caramel apple empanada. Yeah. I think that's a different beast. It is a different beast, and I think, you know, I had experienced that before, so the newness definitely put the pretzel bites above. It's true. I think we're gonna be lined up on almost all these two. Worst entree? What was what was your least favorite entree? The turducken sandwich. Mm, Those motherfuckers at Potbelly. One hundred percent deception, bait and switch nonsense. I I don't even want to talk about it. That's how much it upsets me. Yeah, I'd say I think that if I had to distinguish between most disappointing and worst, okay. and most disappointing was a turducken. Going off this, we were probably the same worst. In my opinion, the worst one was the Starbucks sous vide egg bites. Yes, that's exactly what I have in parentheses after turducken. Those were just gross. Terribly made. I wasn't really expecting them to be that great. Don't but sous vide a fucking egg. They're just put it bad. In a, put it in a pan. Nobody needs a velvety egg bite. Did you choose a, a worse spoiler snack? I did, but we had so many because there was a streak where you forgot spoiler snacks about six times. So I had eyeball gumballs, raisins, or popsicles, or any frozen milk-based beverage. Ooh, we are finally going to differ wow. on one of these. What was yours? My runner-up was raisins. Yeah. <laughs> but my top choice was the Hardy's Jolly Rancher milkshake. Oh, I forgot about that. That was terrible. I think that was the only spoiler snack that I did not finish. Because oh, there's a lot of those I didn't care for, Nasty. but I would still eat or drink. I did think to my... I was trying to remember all the spoiler snacks today, and I thought, I'm not going to go through all of our episodes and try to figure out what our spoiler <laughs> snacks are. So I just went with what I remembered. But that one was absolutely repulsive. The description promised candy mixed in, but it was basically just an overpowering, like, Ugh. syrupy flavor. Oh, God. And there was no texture. Literal chills. <laughs> I just got literal goosebumps. Got some gooseies. Oh, man. That shit was disgusting. All right, so we've had a great year of movies. We've had a great year of food, podcasting in general. What are you looking forward to this year, 2019? All right, so I just want to read you real quick. The Disney slate of movies. Are yeah, you're, out. you're all on the Disney train. Captain Marvel in March, Dumbo in March, Avengers Endgame in April, Aladdin in May, Toy Story 4 in June, The Lion King in July, Frozen 2 in November, and Star Wars Episode 9 in December. God, they're going to make so much money. Every one of those is going to be at the top of the box office. Oh, yeah. I think that at the end of the year, like the top 10 money-making movies, I I think easily seven or eight of them could be on that list. That's insane. What a year. They're... They're initiating phase one of their takeover of the world. I think they've, they're well into phase two or three right now. Like just a few years ago, when there was initial rumors of this like Disney streaming service, yeah, it didn't seem like Practical. like a like a real competitor to like yep. Netflix or Hulu. Yep. Like, can you imagine all of these franchises being on one streaming service, as well as countless TV shows? Yeah, and a whole and like decades of back catalog of movies and TV. They're just taking over. And if and if they do end up, I don't know what the status is of their buyout of Fox, but yeah. that's just going to be a whole nother chunk. It is. That's insane. What a lineup. And also, non-Disney movies. The Lego Movie 2. I've got that on my I'm list. I'm so excited. Super excited. Again, cautiously excited. Yeah. I know that it might be a letdown. Um, there's the next live-action Spider-Man movie. I, I put the next six Spider-Man movies. I figured they'd crank out five or six <laughs> next year. 
Uh, it chapter two is gonna be a big one. Nah. I'm not personally that interested in the franchise, but it's gonna be a, a huge one this coming year. Jumanji two. That last one was like a smash success. I liked that movie actually. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. And then, uh, well, most importantly, what's probably gonna be number one of the year is uh, the Angry Birds movie too. Oh my god, we're fucking done. So what's your uh, what's your most anticipated movie of 2019? It's a tough question. Now, before I saw the trailer, it probably would have been Jordan Peele's Us, mm. uh, but the trailer um, made me think I'm not gonna like it that much. Okay, so I'm less into that. I think. My most anticipated is a three-way tie. Glass would be the first. I am a huge fan of the movie Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was one of the best movies that I've seen in my entire life. I still think it is. It's in my top five for sure. Um, Split was also very interesting, and the fact that they're combining these two really intrigues me. And I think it's either going to be really bad uh, and poorly done, but I have faith that it's going to be a really creative and unique story, like both of those movies were. Um, tied with that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. Tarantino's new movie Brad Pitt, Leo, Margot Robbie, Al Pacino, Dakota Fanning blah 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 it's fucking Tarantino and I love all of his movies and last is Jojo Rabbit which is Taika, is Taika Waititi's 2019 movie about Hitler in which he plays Hitler uh, and it stars Sam Rockwell Stephen Merchant, Alfie Allen alongside him and looks <laughs> mainly ridiculous uh but it seems like it's going to be really creative. There's not much info out on it yet, but there's a still of him as Hitler, and it looks like it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Those are the three I'm probably... And Joker, I'm really yeah. looking forward to Joker I'm as well. I'm very excited for Joker, because I have no idea. That could be a terrible movie yeah. or phenomenal. Hakeem Phoenix had a big year this year. He was in a lot of movies. He, he was in a lot of stuff, yeah. yeah. What about you? I have a much longer list, too. I think my most anticipated, either Star Wars Episode Nine, Of course. Or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a slightly different question to end the episode. Mm-hmm. I think we're at about 15 minutes right now. What do you predict at the end of 2019, when we convene a year from now and yeah. we do this again? Yeah. What do you think will be your number one movie of 2019? And I want to I wanna get these picks out there. That way, in a year, we can look back and see how wrong we were. Man, so much could go wrong with so many movies. I'm going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be my number one. Because I think every year a Tarantino movie has come out, it's usually right up there. So I think that's my safest bet. I'm going to say, I know little to nothing about this movie. You know that I actively try to avoid trailers for films that I know I want to see. Yeah. The other day I saw like the last five seconds of this and I Mm -hmm. thought, oh man, i got to close my eyes. I have such unconditional faith in this director Angley. Just after his one movie, that I think that Us will be my number one movie. Wow, of 2019. And Again, you haven't seen the trailer, though. Know nothing about I it. I thought the same thing, man. All I know is that Get Out is probably my all-time favorite movie at this point. The trailer really threw it for me. I don't know why. It well, really tweaked everything I thought about the movie. I will certainly continue to not watch it yeah. in that case. Now join us on a uh, very special 21st episode coming soon. Yes. Which our show is finally going to be old enough to drink some champagne. Can't wait. That's exciting stuff. Until then, you can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to people talk. You can follow us on Instagram, Fast Food Film Friends, uh, Twitter at FFFF Podcast, and Facebook, or email us at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of our picks. You know, what were your favorite movies of the year? What were your least favorite? Yeah. 
Um, and uh, until then, this one's for Jim. Farewell. Farewell.